Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Actually, Matthew chapter 6. Let's go there instead. Let's, uh, Philippians chapter 4, I want you to go there in your head. Because <laughs> uh, when we started our Fear Not series, that's where we started. Talking about fear, talking about anxiety, talking about worry. And uh, the Bible told us not to worry, not to worry about those things. And uh, so we're going to be in our third week in this series of Fear Not. And as we've been through the series so far, we've talked about the difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear. We've talked about the difference between those two forms of fear. I have a healthy fear of ladders. Uh, If I don't climb them, I can't fall off one. You know, so I kind of look at that as a positive. Uh, Most of the guys I know that aren't afraid of climbing ladders have fallen off a ladder at one point. So I figure if I just don't climb ladders, I can't fall off. I'm good to go. You know, I have a fear of heights, but I love flying. I I know that's weird. It's just how it works for me. Um, Maybe I'm just so scared I want to get back on the ground that flying works. No, uh, but there is healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear. What's an unhealthy fear? Worrying about tomorrow. That's unhealthy. Worrying about what's going to happen in the future. Because can you change that? Can you affect that? Do you have control of that? We don't. So there are healthy fears and there are unhealthy fear. And then we learned the next week or last week, we learned that all fear belongs where? In the hands of God. Cast all your worry, all your care, all your stuff on him. Why? Because he cares. You ever have a friend that doesn't care? (laughs) You ever ever have a friend? Not a lot of them. You know what? All of us have ran into people who don't care about what's going on in your life. But guess who does care? Always. Creator does. God does. So we've looked at the healthy and unhealthy fear. We know that God doesn't give us the spirit of fear, but a rather of spirit and of power and of love and of self-control, sound mind. We also learn that fear has its proper place. Um, can anyone here today tell me where fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt belong? They belong with God. They belong with God. They belong to God. So today we're going to learn and we're going to see that followers of Christ are called to be focused not on tomorrow, not on the past, but focused on today. In Psalm 139, as we're reading through that passage of scripture, if you notice, God says, I know when you're going to lay down. I know when you're going to wake up. I know what you're going to do today. I know what you're going to do tomorrow. I know what day you're going to die. I know what day you you were born. I know all these things. I knew you before you were born. God says, I know all these things about you. So why do you need to worry about any of that stuff? You need to focus on today. Wouldn't it be nice if God left us somewhere in a passage of scripture, the moniker that states today is the day you should be cognizant of? Like today is the day you need to focus on the things that you need, not tomorrow, not next week, not three years from now, but today. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to go to a passage of scripture where Jesus himself tells us today, worry today, don't worry today. Trust me today, live for me today. Get the anxiety, get the fear out of the way. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 34, 
Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for today will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time and rip this verse all apart, but um, there's definitely a teaching here about worry, isn't there? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. What does that mean? Tomorrow is tomorrow. And it, tomorrow never actually comes, does it? Because tomorrow becomes today. And then the next tomorrow becomes today. And the next tomorrow becomes today. So when are you ever able to be anxious? If you're following the word of God. You can't. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself because it'll never get there. Sufficient today is what we need. So, what, what, what does that verse leave us with? Well, today. It leaves us with a day at hand, as the scripture says. It allows us to be focused on today, to be present, to deal with appropriately with every circumstance, every situation that comes up in our day. And I don't know about you, but I find this extremely freeing in my life because I don't have to worry about what everything that's going to happen. Now, does that mean we don't plan? Well, I can plan for all kinds of stuff. What happens if it doesn't happen? It's the end of the world as we... Right? But I feel fine. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about things that I have no control over because by worrying, what am I lacking? I'm lacking faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please who? Hmm. That puts us in a bad spot. So if we have to live by faith and not by fear, then Jesus is going to leave for us methods and verses and places we can go to figure this out. And I mentioned this last week. Paul had this figured out. Paul literally figured it out. That's why he could stand before the people he did and say, I don't really give a care what you do to me. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm with Christ. So if I'm alive in this body, I'm going to keep preaching Christ. And if I'm dead, well, check me, buddy. I'm with him. Woo! Because to be absent from the body is to be, can't you hear it in Paul's words? How confident he is. It's like, you can't touch me, man. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. If we go out in French fry form, being known unto the king, you got no power over us. But if we survive, you got problems. You can't kill us. Our God who we serve is able. Do we believe that today? Do we live like that? Our God whom we serve is able to take care of my problems today. Matthew chapter 6, let's look at verse 25, because the verse that we read earlier is not alone. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? How many people worry about food? When, where, time they're going to eat or what, what they're going to wear tomorrow. I just always hope Tim and I never put the same shirt on. We own the same shirt. And one Sunday we're going to walk in as like the Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger twins. 
It's going to happen one of these Sundays. I know it's, it's there. It's, it's, it's right for the pickings. And you know what? I'm not going to worry about what shirt I wear. I'm not going to worry about what clothes I'm putting on. I'm not going to worry about what food I'm going to eat. Why? Well, the verse tells us, look to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they reap, nor do they gather in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. This is the same argument that was used in the Old Testament, if you remember, against one of the big prophets. Who was it? Job. Remember as Job is pouting about Nineveh coming to Christ and at the, or not, that's a Jonah. Job, as he's losing everything that he owns and he's sitting with boils, that's a great passage too. I don't know why Jonah popped in there. Is there a way to tie Jonah into this? No, there's not. That was free. Um, But Job, as Job is sitting there in boils and he's looking and arguing with God, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? All of a sudden, Job uh, hears the voice of God, and God says, where were you, Job? Where were you when I created the earth? Who feeds the sparrow, Job? Who takes care of them? Who gives them food every day? Who makes sure the sun comes up and, and all that stuff that goes on? Who's taking care of all that stuff, Job? Look what it says. The birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather to barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, that, are you not more valuable than they are? It's kind of an argument. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? There's the reality, right? There's the reality. Can God? Yeah, he can do that. Can you? No. So why worry about it? Don't worry, be happy. Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his life? Nobody can. Check this out. It goes on down in verse 31 and picks up the narrative again. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Continuation of the argument before. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his, what? Righteousness. And what will happen? If you're in the family of God, what's God going to provide for you? How many needs? What's all mean? Do you believe that? Or are you anxious? This is, this is Sermon on the Mount type stuff here. This, this is like Jesus himself declaring to man the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest pe- preacher who ever preached to the audience of the world. I can do this, can you? And if you can't do it, why worry about it? Because if you can't change it and you can't fix it, it's not yours to manage, then trust me. Then trust me, because if your father in heaven thinks it's enough for sparrows to get food in the middle of winter when it's out of season, what do you think God wants to do with you? What is God going to provide for you? We all know the argument, right? My God shall supply all my... I wish that was once, don't you, sometime? I wish it was once. But the reality is God's going to give us what we need. Sometimes he'll give you what you want, and then you don't want it. You ever been there? God, I really, really want this. And he gives it to you, and you're like, oh, buyer's remorse. Take it back, God, take it back. 
I want to show you, first of all, your value in Christ. This passage of Scripture tells you how valuable you are in Christ Jesus. You are more valuable to God than a sparrow is. You're more valuable to God than, than the resources of food or clothing or anything else. To begin, let's collectively remember that it, life is more important than food, than clothes, than a vacation, than the size of your retirement account, your zip code, or most anything else that you can currently be consumed with. And to be fair, in our world today, they give you plenty of reasons to be anxious. Our world, our economy, our, the, the news cycles, the way, the way people deal with things today, they give us plenty of reason to have fear, worry, and anxiety in our life, right? You know what? One day, you're going to die. What are you going to leave your family? I should worry about that. I didn't even know I was supposed to worry about that. But I'm going to worry about it now. Did you know that one in four people will face a hardship in your lifetime? I'm pretty sure four out of four people will face a hardship in their lifetime. But you know what? All these things are thrown at us to get us to fear. Watch commercials and you'll find out all the stuff you haven't had that you needed the whole time. And now they're afraid you're going to miss out on this opportunity. So you got to act now. Anxiety, pressure. Our society is built on this. Yet our Father in Heaven is not wanting us to waste time on things that don't matter. He doesn't want us worrying about things that we can't change, worried about things we can't fix, worried about things we can't control. This is backed, if you remember, I mentioned this just a minute ago, that this is backed on the fact of what Paul already discovered in his life, and we're going to add on to that now. The secret about fear, anxiety, worry, is that they belong in the hands of God, not in ours. But not only do they belong in the hands of God and not in ours, but then we actually have another step beyond this that we're going to look at today, and that is this. We need to understand that God has given us what we need today to be able to live today. Let's look at a passage of Scripture that's going to help us understand that. Go back to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Remember I said, do not be anxious about anything. What does that leave out? <laughs> right? But in everything, by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he goes on in verse 7 and says, And the peace of God, which surpasses what? All understanding, will, will do what to your heart? Why do you need a guard on your heart? Who, who's opposing it? Who's trying to attack it? Who's trying to change it? What's trying to hinder you from, from living this way, living in peace? What's stopping you from living in peace with God that passes all understanding? There's an attack for your heart and for your mind. There's a spiritual battle going on in this world for people's minds and people's hearts. So we need to guard our hearts by not being anxious, not worrying, but by giving thanks and, and, and all the things that verse 6, verse 7 tells us the battleground. So Matthew is going to help us out now. He's going to give us what we need more. There's healthy and unhealthy fear. All fear belongs where? On God's lap. So then how do we get through today? Here's the practical. That's the theological. This is written like Paul. 
There's the theological. Now let's get to the practical. How do we live today? Well, you may remember that the command to fear not appears how many times in the Bible? You remember? It said in the first message. 365 times. That means for every day of the year, there's a fear not statement in the Bible. Let me give you just a couple of them from the Bible. Isaiah 43 and verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name, and you are mine. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Here's another one. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Interesting, my righteous right hand. Hand of power. My powerful hand. Who's going to uphold them? That's Jesus Christ. I want to turn your attention now to what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, in regards, he says this in verse 9. Pray like this, our Father... In, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He goes on and says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says this, give us what? This day, give us this day. What are the things we're not supposed to worry about? What about the individual things we're not supposed to worry about? Food and... Give us today our daily what? What are food and clothing? Our daily needs. Give us today our daily sustenance. Our daily needs. The things I need today. Not tomorrow. Not yesterday. Not years from now. God, give us today. This is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, pray in this manner. Pray that God gives you what you need today. Today. Let me give a couple things here. Number one, first, our God in heaven is holy and worthy of our reverence. Verse one tells us that. Hallowed be your name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will on earth is what we need. Second, we need him to give us our daily bread or a daily nourishment or a daily sustenance. And you know, many today diet or consume on fear add to that fear anxiety add to that anxiety worry add to that doubt and then all of a sudden we're kind of full of junk food aren't we you ever watch a kid who eats junk food they're on a sugar high all the time but what happens when the junk food wears off they crash you know people who who live on drama who live on anxiety and worry and, and all these things are happening in my life and it's just out of control and it's crazy and it's... And what happens when it all goes away? Emotional crash. So then they stir it up again. And the Bible says, don't do that. Don't be like the Gentiles who worry about these things. By the way, are we Jews or Gentiles today? We're Gentiles. So guess what we worry about? Isn't it amazing God knows these things? He told us in the Bible these things. So we worry about these things. We consume on fear and junk food instead of the divine sustenance that God actually says we need. Our daily bread. 
telling us a couple things. Number one, don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough trouble of its own, right? What can you fix tomorrow? You can intend to fix a lot, but what can you actually fix in tomorrow? Nothing. You have no access to it. What can you fix yesterday? This is where payday always works, right? I wish I would have got paid yesterday because all my anxiety would be gone. Number two, he's also telling us to pray specifically and ask God for daily food and nourishment that we need. This is really goes back to Paul. Remember, what were the four things that Paul told us to do last week? Do you remember all the T's? Failure. What were the four T's in prayer? Thank, tell, thank, trust. Right? Thank, tell, thank, and trust. Remember the different prayers, how we could pray differently? Remember how Paul, in his illustration, does that? He, he thanks, he tells, he thanks, and he trusts. And now here, as we're coming into this portion of Scripture, in Matthew 6, we're seeing the same thing. Thank God for the provision that he's given to you. Tell him what's going on in your life, where you're doubting or where you're lacking faith. Thank him for helping you, and then trust that he's going to take care of the problem. So he says, as you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, because I'm thanking you for who you are, what you've done in these things, now I'm going to tell you what I really need. I need your daily sustenance. I need your help. Even in his advice on prayer, Jesus focuses on the practical everyday needs that we have. You see, God is an eternal God, a creator of the entire universe, but he's also a heavenly father who actually cares about your individual needs in your life where you are today. This includes things to be scared of or worried about or anxious over. And I believe this is why he's given us a daily reminder to not fear. I believe this is why he reminds us to ask specifically for our daily bread, the things we need today. This is why we're told to be focused on today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. You realize this. God in heaven knows that a single day at a time is enough challenge for you and I. It's all we can handle. If we can handle more than that, what would he have said? Don't worry about today or tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday and today. No, he says what? Today. Today. What is the only time period you have control of right now? Think about it. You only got half of it left by the time we're out of here. Half the day. So what is our responsibility? I said earlier I thought that this was an incredibly freeing idea once you really get to dig into it and, and, and chew on it. And that is this. To do all that I need we need to go back a couple Sundays and remember what we learned about fear here. First, we talked about the difference between unhealthy and healthy, right? We talked about giving it all to God. And now we're talking about we can only affect today. Every day, we need to go back to God and say, God, I need what I need for today. 
okay? When you add what we're learning from Jesus today, you begin to see how you overcome fear biblically. It's not that one day you can just self-declare, God, I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm over that. Because what power do you have to do that? You don't have any. But what you can do is say, Lord, thank you for being an all-powerful God. God, thank you for giving me the tools in your word to know how to analyze my fear, my anxiety, and to recognize these things. Now, Lord, I need your help. I need you to change me. By the way, if you ask God to do that, what are the odds he will? What are the odds he will? If you say, God, change me, what are the odds he will? When you were a sinner and you called unto him, what were the odds he was going to save you? Right? He's going to change you. But the problem is, it may not be the way you thought. It may not be the way you wanted. It may not be the outcome that you anticipated because his way might be bigger than yours. His thoughts might be bigger than yours. So, by putting fear in its proper place, and we add to what Jesus is teaching us today, with some self-discipline, some confidence in the process, we can take fear, worry, anxiety, and doubt and put them in their proper place, knowing that our responsibility is to be focused on today and let God worry about tomorrow. By the way, I don't think God worries about tomorrow, do you? I don't even think he breaks a sweat about tomorrow. So you don't have to be consumed with what might happen tomorrow or next month or when your kids go to college or... Time's too valuable for this stuff. By the way, we're not even promised to be here for that stuff. When can the rapture occur? What event is is holding back God from starting the end time events today? Nothing. Right now, the very last person to get saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ could be sitting in a church service listening to a message, and when they believe, we're out of here. Do you realize that? There is somebody that is going to live in some time period that will be the last person saved. And then the rapture will happen. Think about that. How cool would it be to be the guy sharing it? Did he believe? I don't even know what happened. As people of God, we live and we walk by faith. This is key. This is why our church is named faith. Faith is the the core substance of the Christian. Faith is what allows us to live the life that we live. When we trust God, even in the face of fear, as we're learning through this series, we can play an active role in identifying fear and giving it back to God because this is our daily responsibility. We walk by faith, not by fear. We walk by faith, not by sight. Check this out. Numbers 13 and 14, the 12 spies were sent out into the promised land. When they returned, 10 of them had a message. The message was filled with what? Fear. There's giants. There's walls. There's opposition. There's militaries. There's people. There's ogres. There's, I want to say like lions and tigers and bears. However, two guys came back, Caleb and Joshua, with a completely different report. Totally different. 
Man, the fields are already ripe. We just got to walk in and pick the fruit. Check these grapes out. Look at these things. Yeah, they got walls, but the walls are penetrable. God, God can take care of that. Yeah, there's big giants in there, but man, God already gave us a victory. Look, we can just go in and we take it. As we know the story, 10 spies against two spies, whose story prevails? The 10, right? So instead of walking into the promised land, as God told Moses, the people would do, the people rebel against God and they doubt him and they live in fear, anxiety, and doubt. And what happens? An entire generation of people miss out on the promise of God because they were afraid because they were anxious, because they doubted. And for some of them, it cost them their life. It meant the rest of their lives. They would wander out in the wilderness, apart from God's promise. The people of God allowed fear to rob them of the promise of God and steal their precious time from them. For most, it meant the rest of their lives. Now, obviously, I share this as a pretty intense story in the Bible, okay? I don't think if you doubt God today, the next 40 years of your life are done. Okay? I don't, I don't think uh, in 40 years you're going to die. Or in the next 40 years, some of us will. But not because we doubted God and his provision of the promised land. Okay? I'm using this as an illustration where Israel actually did the very thing that we're, pre- we're trying to teach against here. And we're prone to repeat history if we don't what? We don't study it. The reality is this is one of the more painful stories in the history of Israel because an entire generation rebels against God and they don't get to go to the promised land, including the leader, which is really sad. He doesn't even get to go because he doubted. So the reality is this fear robbing you of the promises of God in your life. Does God have something in story he wants to do with your life, but because of your fear, it's paralyzing you spiritually in a way in which God can't move or won't move. It's not that he can't. He won't move forward with you until you surrender this area. Is there something in fear holding back the promises of God and robbing you of your life? Number two is fear robbing you of precious time. Because we won't confess, we won't forsake, we won't give it to God, won't put it on his lap. God's like, you know what, fine, I'll just keep the clock spinning. 40 years, I'll just, I'll I'll spin the clock. What's 40 years to God? Nothing. What's 40 years to you and I? Half a life. God's just going to spin the clock and let you sit there and idle and idle and idle and do nothing for him. Meanwhile, we get frustrated. We start doubting God worse in that process. Number three, are you feeling paralyzed by the potential trouble that the future may or may not bring? Well, I can't go for it because I don't know what's going to happen. Here, I'll, I'll teach you two words. You can say them with me. Ready? Who cares? Okay, say it together. Who cares? You know who cares? God does. Cast all your on me because I... He already told us. Give it to me. Take your heavy burden off and give it to me and I'll give you rest instead. What is rest? Peace that passes all understanding. 
It's, it's not worrying about tomorrow. It's not worrying about what you're going to eat or what the future is going to bring because who's got it taken care of? Do we believe that? Or do we live like it's all depending on us? I'm not saying you can't invest, you can't get insurance. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how do you live your daily life? Trusting God or trusting yourself? You see, when we trust ourselves, we're like Israel in the wilderness. Well, I don't think we can beat those walls. We can't beat that military. We definitely can't beat the, 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 all the numbers of people that are there. We're, we're just a couple million. There are lots of millions. There's no way we can win this. We're doomed. Or do we walk in life and say, you know what, God? I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know we can take Jericho. I know we can take Ai. I know we can take these cities, but it's going to be God doing it through us, not because of us. We could go on and on. There are a multitude of ways fear affects and redirects our lives. But at the conclusion of the first message in our series, I said this. It speaks to just how destructive and unhealthy fear can be in our lives, that we need power, love, and self-discipline to help us overcome it. We desperately need the discipline to check ourselves throughout the day. We need the discipline to form new habits and identifying healthy fear from unhealthy fear. And we need abundant power and love of our responses. Today, I want to share one more thought. We only need to exercise the spirit-filled self-discipline one day at a time. Give us this day. Give us today what we need. Not tomorrow. I'm going to worry about that. So in harmony with Matthew passage, or in Matthew 6 from earlier, we just need to be focused on today. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow's got its own challenges. The past two weeks, I've given you specific challenges. And this coming week, I want to continue with those challenges. Every day, I want, to, I want you to identify areas of unhealthy fear in your life. Identify those areas as you go through today. Identify areas in which you're worrying, in which you're scared, in which you got anxiety. Then I want you to place it back in the hands of God through gratitude Thanksgiving lace prayer, right? Remember, thank, tell, thank, trust, right? Say it together. Thank, tell, thank, trust. Is that how we pray? Now, before I pray with you here in a moment, I want us to understand that as we build this habit of thanking, telling, thanking, and trusting, as we build this as a habit of prayer, that it's going to give us peace in our life. The peace of God is going to come in our life. And before we pray, I want you to imagine for a moment how different the history of Israel might have been had they practiced what we just talked about. What the 12 spies returning from the promised land might have said in communal prayer might sound something like this rather than what happened. Father in heaven, thank you for freeing us from the slavery of Egypt. Thank you for providing for us these last 40 days in the desert. Thank you for bringing us here to the very edge of the land that you promised to bring us to. Lord, we see giants living in the land. They have impenetrable cities. 
And Lord, we're scared. We're not sure we can do this. It's hard to see how we might be successful in this battle against enemies like them. But God, we know that you can do anything. We know you spoke to Moses in the burning bush. We know you parted the waters of the Red Sea. We know that you destroyed the armies of Pharaoh. And we trust that you can do this as well. Lead us, calm our hearts, deliver us into the promised land. Amen. They were to pray that, what would have happened? How would history have changed? We have not because we, what are you asking for? Lord, give me, give me, give me, no, give me today. Today. God, give me today what I need. How different would your life be if you had always prayed this way? You see, many times we want to just throw antidotes and band-aids on stuff. But God says, no, there, there's a recipe. There, there, there is a, a reason I allow things to happen in life. There is a, a madness behind the methodology. And when we find the methodology, we'll have peace that passes all understanding. Because how much am I going to worry about? If I worried about the finances of our church or my own household, do you know how roller coaster that would be? If I worried about it, the people who I can't control coming to church or not coming to church, do you know how crazy that would be? you know how insane I would be after 21 years of worrying about things I can't control? Who controls that stuff? You and God. You know what I get to control? Today. I get to control me today. That's it. You know what you control? You today. And that is it. And when you get to that place where you realize that's what we control, what can't God fix? What can't God handle? He's not going to take it if we don't give it to him. Sometimes he might. But he says, call unto me and I will answer thee and I'll show you great and mighty things you don't even know. So who's waiting on you to act? Who wants you to act? Who wants you to call on him? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Which means what? We can live life not confessing. We can live that way. Is that what God wants? No. Could Israel have gone right into the promised land? Absolutely. Was that what God wanted? Absolutely. What did Israel choose? To not do that. And because of that, 40 years. They spent wandering in a wilderness, missing out, just burning time, missing out on the blessing God had for them. Now, did God give it to them eventually? Absolutely. Did he do what he said he would do? Absolutely. That's where it is. God is faithful, and he will do what he says he will do. He's trustworthy. Do you believe that today? This is the God we serve. This is why we don't fear We don't fear because we have a God who worries about, well, that's not a good word. We have a God who doesn't worry about anything. What does God actually worry about? What does he not control? So if he's sovereign over everything, he's worried about nothing. So who's the father of lies and worry? So let's make sure when we see the enemy in our backyard, We call out and thank God for who he is. We tell God what we need. We thank God for what he's going to do. And we trust him he's going to do it.
What are the odds he will? Every time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can know it. I thank you for this practical lesson in fear. And Father, we thank you again for who you are and what you said you would do. You always do it. You are a faithful God. You are a holy God. You are a just God. But Father, we're unjust people and we doubt you many times in many different ways. And Father, we might sugarcoat it sometimes, but in the end, we do lack faith. And Father, many times I feel like the, the centurion who, whose daughter needed to be raised from the dead, and he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Lord, we're prone to doubt you. We're prone to get caught up in the events of this world and, and begin to lose focus and look away from you. So Father, I thank you that you can draw us back to yourself. I thank you that you can take the burdens off of us and put them on yourself and that, Father, you actually care about what's going on in our life in a way, not like a clock winder who winds a clock and then lets it go, but, Father, you are intimately involved in the details of our life. And you want us to cast those details off onto you every single day, every single hour, every single moment. And, Father, we don't have to walk around in this world burdened and loaded down with cares and worries and all this stuff. We can walk around free to do the work of Jesus Christ free from the weight of what's going on in the world, knowing that you're in control, Father, you've got this. And Lord, while we think about our, our believe, the believers in Ukraine, Lord, more than getting them out of persecution, we pray that the gospel would go forth and that Russia would be evangelized with people, that Poland and, and all the nations around there would be evangelized with the gospel of Jesus Christ as Christians move and, and, and change locations and they stand and fight Lord, it's not the action, it's, it's the belief that you're interested in. So, Father, help our brothers and sisters to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. And, Lord, we trust that you're going to do that. We trust that you are faithful and you are just and you are holy and you are righteous and you are sovereign. So, Lord, because of that, we don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We don't worry about what's going to happen if we do this or that, we know that you got, you got it covered. So, Father, we just trust you one step. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So may we walk in light of your word, Father. In your name we pray, all God's people said. Thank you.